Welcome to the Move the Stairs podcast by the Denver-based public relations strategist at MNC Communications. We help clients from the CBD industry to nonprofits and beyond tackle their toughest communications challenges and protect their brand using our state-of-the-art tools and strategies. I'm president and founder, Diane Mulligan. For us, public relations is all about brand protection. We are experts in growing active communities, deflecting negative public relations, and building trust to help our clients stand head and shoulders above competitors. I'm Vice President Sarah Beatty. We're all former journalists. We've been in front of the camera and behind the scenes. We call our experience insider media relations, helping clients turn crisis communications and media relations challenges into opportunities that bolster the bottom line. And I'm PR manager Jordan Sherman. At MNC, we craft distinctive and effective solutions for your communications challenges. We call it our Move the Stairs philosophy. On this podcast, we share our best ideas for brand protection, crisis communications, media relations, and more. Let's get right to it. This week's Move the Stairs podcast. So today we're going to talk to business owners about how you can take your existing relationships with the members of the media to the next level. And by the end of this episode, you're going to be able to use our insider media relations strategies to pitch stories like a pro, tackle touchy topics, and become a media relations master. They're going to be calling you. Absolutely. And, you know, in order to learn all that stuff, we're going to break our conversation into three little mini conversations like we always do on every Move the Stairs Friday chat. So for the first part of this, we're going to talk to you about how you can take your existing relationship with members of media and elevate it up to that next level where they are calling you. After that, we're going to move into how you can get strategies for becoming a trusted media partner through your pinpoint pitching. You're going to learn how to pitch like a master. And then finally, we're going to deep dive into how you can react to a crisis, because if you're chummy with members of the media and something happens to your business, they're going to be calling and they're going to be calling you because they've got a direct line to your cell phone. And I think after this, uh, you're going to be able to take what you have already and finally move it up to where you want to be. Maybe where some of your competitors are, get to their level too. Well, we kind of think of this as like 401 level uh, media mastery. Masters. 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 Yeah, exactly. So, um, hey, join us. uh, Join the conversation. We want to know, are you struggling to engage with your local um, or industry media partners? Are you kind of wondering, oh, man, where do I start? Let us know. What are your challenges? What are your problems? Post them in. um, Post your questions or your comments in the comments section. And we would love to take a look at those next week because we always um, enjoy those. And then sometimes we uh, get great ideas for new episodes as well. And don't forget, we always have our free downloadable one sheet, Sarah Vanna White. There you go. Uh, This is one we featured in a couple of episodes ago. It's our news cycle analyzer. And what this is going to help you do is really laser focus your pinpoint pitching because you can be best friends with somebody in the media all day. uh, But if you're pitching a story at the wrong time, it's going to make you look bad. So this is only going to help you uh, make sure that your timing is good for your story. 
we had fun filling that out. Diane, you were on vacation, but Jordan and I filled that out. And based on what was happening, what was percolating in, uh, you know, Denver News, that 11 and noon show on a Friday. Um, so that was a good time. It makes all the difference when you can kind of predict where they're going and how you can modify your pitch to work with it or determine that maybe this isn't the best time. I mean, I have literally held a pitch for two and a half weeks. Um, and with the election season coming up, man, it's really important to know what's going on that day and that minute. be interested. Right. I mean, or is it like, oh, no, because once they hear it, if you've pitched at the wrong time, man, it's really hard to get them interested later. So that's tough. And remember, we're always trying to move the stairs and move the stairs is where you look at any situation. You become as creative as possible within the parameters of what you've got, what the world gives you that day. And you really work it. And when you do, you usually come out on top and ahead of the competition. So I think that's really important. So let's look at topic one, effectively taking your relationship with members of the media to the next level. So we have some research here that according to an article by the University of Bath Press, Press Office, working with the media gives us the chance to convey expert perspective on important issues, get evidence into public conversations, and highlight the important work researchers are doing. Not only does this contribute to the public debate, but it can help maintain and build support for scientific research from the public who ultimately pay a lot for it. That's true whether you're in Bath or whether you're in Denver or whether you're somewhere else. And it doesn't matter whether you're in the CBD industry or whether you're in the entertainment industry. It's really, really important for you to understand that if you can get out educational material as well, that helps build that relationship so that when something happens that you can comment on, whether it's for your business or whether it's in your industry. And that's really, really important to understand the whole industry focus here as well, that you become a thought leader. And we love when that happens because that's when the phone rings and they call you when you didn't even know there was a story out there. That's a great point. And I this love is this something for a, a couple of different reasons. And sorry to jump in there, Sarah, but we, we've already seen this work with a couple of our clients. I mean, look at Lung Cancer Foundation of America. They Absolutely. always point, point out how much research matters right. in uh, everything that, you know, they are putting out there. They're working actively to educate the public. And I, I think that's awesome. And ultimately, it's grant money um, that, you know, coming in from donations or uh, other companies that are helping to lead to this research. So I think that's really cool. Well, and this is something that we help um, all of our clients do is develop that thought leadership position, develop that those relationships um, with media, uh, either local media or media in their particular industry. And, you know, here's here's a situation that we find fairly frequently. Um, a client has been interviewed a number of times. Um, you know, they're starting to um, have really good success. It's no longer like, oh, boy, deer in the headlights. I'm just trying to right. feel comfortable on camera. Like they've got a good, you know, facility on camera and they feel great. Um, and they've had some good interviews. Is that the best they can do? No. No. <laughs> There's always ways to move the stairs. Right? right. And so this is, you know, here's the part where um, they're doing great. But now we're going to take the insider media relations mastery up a notch. 
And, you know, one of the um, clients that we work with, we have the best example in the world. We told you we were going to tell you this last week. Um, but this is, um, this is somebody, a, a client, and a number of members of their team have been interviewed, um, you know, in, in local media, in, in specific niche media, in national media. Um, and so they are just great soundbite, um, you know, always accessible. The media knows they can call up. Um, but the bite, the A number one bite, and I think, what did we decide, guys? Like 17 uses of this soundbite. Diane, I want you to talk about how this soundbite came about because, honest to Pete, it is the best soundbite about the most boring topic maybe in the world. That's right. Taxes. <laughs> Absolutely. It was about taxes. And, and it was, you know, the best sound bites use an analogy that help people not only understand, but see it in their minds. And this person talked about the taxes being like cookies in a cookie jar. But so many people were putting their hands in the cookie jar that by the time his specific uh, group got their hands into the cookie jar, there were only going to be crumbs left. So it wasn't like because of this tax hike, they were going to make all this money. It was fascinating. Um, and I think anytime you can use an analogy, when I worked at National Stroke Association uh, and we used to talk about the number of people um, who were going to have a stroke every year, um, the number was approximately, if I remember correctly, and this is years and years ago, but it was about 750,000 people a year in this country were going to have a stroke. And I thought, how can I really get that number of cross? Um, most, uh, most football stadiums hold, um, and it was how many people were going to die of a stroke. Excuse me. It was not how many people were going to get it. It was 750,000 were going to die of a stroke. So I said, visualize the last time you were at a football game in a major stadium. And now put 10 of those stadiums together and visualize all those people doing the wave. Now, people absolutely have that visual, and it's a huge visual. And now, because we don't know all the information that we need to know, those people are going to die. That's how many people die every year from having a stroke. And it would just stop people dead in their tracks. So when you're thinking about your industry and you've got a big number or you have a complicated topic, think how you can boil it down to, for instance, crumbs in the bottom of a cookie jar. Um, and when you give that type of an analogy, the media, because that's how they write, they want to write an analogy. So when you can give that, you have to be very careful with it. You have to know what you're going to say before you say it and know when it makes sense to introduce that. But you need to know what are those, what is that group of words that you're going to say? Um, last night on the debate, on the vice presidential debate, uh, when... Um, it's Kamala. I can never say her. Kamala. 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 When Kamala said, I'm talking now, I knew. I knew right then. She said it. She stopped. She kind of gave a smile. I'm like, that's going to be the headline. That's where they're going to go. I mean, and, and so that was the headline all day long. Every exactly. outlet, every article. Well, everything. that and the fly, of course. But and the fly. <laughs> but the point is, because we're former journalists, we're trained to listen for that piece of sound. And we know everybody's going to use it the minute it comes out of one of our clients' mouths. Um, and if we can help them get to that point, that's great. But you also need to think, 
what is that one thing that's going to be so interesting and really kind of boil this down, but gives a visual picture. That's how you take as a spokesperson. That's how you take it to the master's level. I think that's a great, great point. Um, in the comments section, I want you to weigh in, you know, have you been able to do this? Have you been able to establish a relationship with members of the media and how did you do it? Because I think it's really instructive to learn from, you know, learn from other people, learn from other uh, examples. How have you been able to be really effective and take your media mastery up a notch? So Jordan, you put to, you and Sarah put together this downloadable piece, right? So talk a little bit about that, would you? Yeah, so this downloadable piece, it's really cool. Um, basically what it does is it breaks down all four of the major media outlets. And usually for uh, most larger cities, you're going to have all four of those TV stations. But we also included radio and we included the newspaper as well, because depending on what story you're trying to get out there, and we, we discussed this a couple of weeks ago, um, the audience and the storyteller may need to shift a little bit. If it's something that needs to be kind of deep dived into, maybe you're looking at a print publication. If it's a story that can be told quickly, you're looking at television. But regardless, if you're looking at outlets and they're all covering the same top story, this is where, as Diane pointed out a few minutes ago, maybe you want to maneuver, massage, how you're going to craft your pitch. Or I wouldn't have pitched a story together. this morning for love or money. No, yeah, no way. Yeah. No. And I, do, I remember I wrote down the names of the PR people who pitched stories on the day Columbine happened. I was so angry. Mm -hmm. um, as news director during that day, we were doing everything possible. It was wall to wall. There was no question what we were covering that day. And I had these fluffy pitches coming in and I'm thinking, just jump on the internet. Just look at your TV. This is not hard. Um, and so it's so important because people will remember if you called at a crazy time. The were other they, thing, were they local pitches or were they national pitches? They were national, national PR firms that were just doing their pitches that day. But, you know, I got to tell you on that day, like on 9-11, I mean, those kind of days. Yeah, no everybody question. knew what was going on. There's no question on election day. You don't want to pitch anything. No. Election day is going to be wall-to-wall -wall election. The day that um, the president goes into the hospital with COVID, just put your pitching away. There's just <laughs> no reason to be out. Right. On a weather day, do not pitch on a big weather day. Hurricane Delta, anybody? Exactly. Exactly. So if now, if you're in Denver and Hurricane Delta is happening, you're okay to pitch in Denver, but you sure as heck better not pitch in the Southeastern United States. There is just no sense in that. So you really have to know what is going on and think about what those media people are doing. Um, and I think a lot of people don't get the weather thing, but weather wins. In newsroom, yeah. that is a term, weather wins. Everybody's Every covered. Yeah, weather. if there's big weather coming in, they're going to lead with weather and you're not going to, you're not going to crack that threshold. And no on what you've got I'm telling you on television and television stations, even the sports guys are usually doing something having to do with the weather um, on a, on a huge weather day. 
everybody is being pulled to do something on a major story. Everybody is pulled to do something. If you're printing, if you're pitching print on a weather day and you have a reporter who has a specific beat who you know is not going to be impacted by the weather, then I think you're okay. Um, but if you're doing any kind of broadcast, it's weather wall to wall if you have big weather. And that means that means a snowstorm. It does not mean a blizzard. It means a snowstorm. That's what happens. A huge rain event, a flooding event, anything of that nature. So know these things. And that's why it's so important to be very clear on what's happening um, in the world and in your very, your local area. So go on those local news stations. If you have a, you know, a, a child's been abducted, if you have a major murder, anything that you look on, if you look at three, at least three, if not four stations, and they're all on the same story, don't pitch that day because you know, it's big. That's exactly what, that's exactly what this says is, yep. you know, if you see a convergence of the same stories, mm, caution, you know, right. there's, there's something going on. Now the day that that Jordan and I pulled this, it was a Friday and I can't even, I, I, like we should have written down the date because um, there, there was not one similar story on all of the media. And that hasn't happened at all lately, right. not in months and months and months. So it was a shockingly slow news day. That's, um, I love those. I love those. <laughs> and I love Sundays. I understand that they, they yeah. have very limited crews, but if you have a visual story on a Sunday that you can get on the Sunday night, 10 o'clock news or 11 o'clock news, if you're on the East coast, those are highly rated newscasts because everybody wants to know what the weather is going to be like for the rest of the week and what they and have. And where there. will you see the story next? Mm -hmm. That's right. Monday, Monday morning. morning, Monday morning in the five, the six, mm -hmm. the seven, the cut-ins. So don't blow of off a Sunday. A Sunday is a great day. And it's also a great day to provide video with a story because they're so short staffed that that's a great thing. I also, I like Saturday mornings because people are drinking their coffee and the TV's on and that type of thing. So that that's was what we decided. Like we had a, a, a fictional, you know, you've got a fabulous new cupcake company with some sort of healthy, whatever. And we were like Saturday morning, man, that's where we'd go on that. And that's, you know, even though that Friday was very slow, Right. Uh, Jordan and I both were like, no, we wouldn't pitch this on a Friday. That's a Saturday morning story when everybody's got their cup of coffee. So we've kind of dipped into this a little bit, but let's talk about what we call in insider media relations, pinpoint pitching. And I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a, a, a little bit of a limb here and say, this is not you armed with your press release. No, you know, this is not you saying, okay, mm -hmm. I've got a press release. It's going to knock them dead and make the phone ring. I'm going to say that pinpoint pitching may not include a press release at all. Why exactly. would I say that? Do you think I'm crazy? <laughs> <laughs> it is Friday. And we never Friday. know with Sarah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I think that many times that phone call, um, and I will tell you, you can do the email, um, but if you can get somebody on the phone, you got so much of a better chance of getting your story across. And people are afraid to call the media. Do not be afraid. Have your three points 
know that if you're calling broadcast media, you want to be off. You want to have your points out in the first 30 seconds of that phone call. They want you to speak quickly, tell them what it is, how visual it is, or what great sound there's going to be if it's radio, and then they will make their decision. Um, but if you have print, that's a much slower conversation. When they pick up the phone, they don't want you speaking a million miles an hour. They want you to kind of set the story up and then give them the hook of what the story is, right? So that's that's different. Um, Jordan, so, you know, many of our clients pass along these story pitches, but not everybody has the PR firm. So let's talk a little bit about what the steps are to make sure your pitch has the appropriate timing and impact. Yeah. And before I really deep dive into that, I just wanted to touch on what you and Sarah were talking about too, is a lot of companies do rely on PR firms because you know one of the things that we do, and I'm sure many others do really well, is finding elements about their clients that are newsworthy. I mean, we are natural storytellers, are we not? Right. Whereas, you, you better know, be. <laughs> yeah, right. No. <laughs> Whereas, you know, people who do the same nine to five every day, they may do something really, really cool and just not think of it as something that's newsworthy or neat or something that, you know, deserves a little bit of uh, press coverage. Right. And if you can do that and you do recognize those elements, I mean, that's that's fantastic. Um, but if you don't, you know, one of the things you should do is, you know, look at some of these publications that you can choose from. If you are looking at something that requires an in-depth analysis and you just you maybe you're a lawyer um, or you're a CBD owner and you just know that your story cannot be told in a minute and a half. Not going to work that way. There's industry jargon to work through. Maybe there's legalities. Um there are big words that we don't know how to pronounce and the public is going to hear it and just automatically tune out. And it needs a little bit more, uh, needs a little bit more love. We'll call it. Then you're probably going to be complexity. Right. Exactly. You need a platform where not only is the audience going to understand what you're talking about, but the reporter and themselves has time to digest what you are telling them. I mean, when you're looking at TV, it's, morning meeting and off to go get your stories. And, you know, you're back by hopefully three, four to have that on the air uh, for five. And oh, by the way, you're back out at location to do your live shot. And if you have a really complex story, it just, it doesn't work like that. Um, unless there is a, an element for you to kind of condense it into a way that it's not going to be broadcast and misinterpreted by uh, not only the reporter, but the audience watching too. So I think that's a really great place to start is what is the best way to tell your story? And then we had also talked about, you know, before you pitch, what in the world is happening out there? Diane, if there's a murder, if there's Columbine happening, Hurricane Delta is set to make landfall in your area, right. um, or really in, in, a, in an entire region too, because regional news is a thing. People in Alabama do care what's happening in Florida. People in North Carolina consequently care what's happening in Louisiana, especially when you're dealing with a commonality like tropical weather. So I think it's really important to utilize that one sheet that uh, we have available for download to just kind of see what's going on out there. Now, I, I want to point out one quick thing, because we had a funny, um, a crazy incident happen where we had a great visual. It was a perfect TV story. It was a, you know, a, a that we raised a great big beam to the top of a 23 story hotel that was being completed. 
we had GoPros strapped to the beam and we got the feed and we had a drone and we had yeah. cameras. I mean, I mean, you're checking all cameras. the boxes right now, Sarah. Yeah. Oh, it was, yeah. We had lines of the biggest, best looking, you know, construction guys you've ever seen. And they were having lunch. I mean, it was awesome. Like it was a fabulous, great visual story. And we dropped that. Um, and this was the thing. We knew what was going on in the local media. We knew what was happening that day. We just happened to get the worst luck in the world because we dropped that content to the local media literally the same moment that the DA released um, a whole bunch of records in this terrible, you know, family, um, you know, violent story that had happened. And all of the newsrooms in town were scrambling because the DA's server crashed. Right. And so it wasn't even on the news yet. Nobody knew about it. But it was, you know, literally the moment we hit the button to send. It was the exactly DA the same time. We sent <laughs> ours as the DA sent theirs. Right. And so what saved us there is another element of insider media relations, which was we heard crickets. And we were like, there is no way. There is no way that this shouldn't have gotten picked up. You know, that, that nobody's opened it. Like what you tell, nobody's even opened the email. Something is right. going on. And right. that's when we picked up the phone and just started calling and saying, what? You know, we sent all this great stuff. Did you see it? Well, and, and what we said was, and I think this is hugely important because the last thing they want to hear when they're going berserk and things are falling apart um, and if you remember, Sarah, we did not pick up the phone until after we dropped it for the five o'clock show. Mm -hmm. It hit the five, the six, the seven, right. the nine, the ten. So we thought, and well, by then, by then, the information was out, right. and they were wall to wall on this, right? You know, crime and story. Thought, Surely it'll hit the morning. In fact, I think we may even re have reset it overnight just so the morning people had it. Didn't hit the morning. And I'm like, geez, Louise. So we made a call to one of the managing editors who yeah. we know and said, you know, we dropped this story. I know you you went crazy yesterday. He goes, oh, you have no idea. And he went off on how the servers had crashed. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's a horrible. Oh, you must have been going crazy, which I'm sure yeah. he was. Meanwhile, I'm thinking, what about my story? And <laughs> I said, I bet you didn't even see this. He goes, Oh, no, nobody saw that. I said, well, I know how crazy you were yesterday, and I know you've got the follow-up today. So I've got something light and fun that's really going to help even out the newscast for you. And it's already shot. So you can just put it together. I'm going to resend it to you now. What do you think? Absolutely send it over. Yeah. It went over. I think it hit every newscast. Every one of them. Right? All four. All yeah. four newscasts for the next day and a half. Um, mm -hmm. And then we picked up the phone to every managing editor and said, oh, we heard what happened yesterday. Let's we're here to help you out as much as we can. Um, yeah. And that's true. It was helping them out. That wasn't we weren't being altruistic, but we also um, were just being on top of the situation. And they get then that we understand what's going on with them. And we get to say we got tremendous pickup on the story, which yeah. could been a complete disaster. So having that trusted relationship with somebody in the in the media um, is really, really important. Um, I've also called before I was going to do something and said, hey, do you know on this day if there's anything big that's scheduled already? Because I don't want to, you know, clog up your inbox. 
And mm -hmm. nine times out of 10, they'll take a look and tell me not necessarily what's happening because they're so competitive, but Ooh, that's not the best day to do that. Okay. That's great. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. And I don't ask them what is the best day. That's not their job. That's our job, but it gives us, you know, when you're planning something and you're, even if you're planning an event, uh, but as a spokesperson, as somebody who is out there trying to get more media for their company, these little things can make all the difference and can really make what you're doing have the most impact. And that's really important. You don't want to, um, you don't want to ever compromise your in integrity with a trusted news source. So if there is a major story or if something happens that you had no control over, like the DA dropping all that stuff the day mm -hmm. that we did that, um, you want to think about how you want to handle it, uh, but you do want to handle it. You don't want to just let it go. So how do you how do you build on those existing relationships? I mean, mm -hmm. I, I remember when I was a reporter, um, we had beats, which is shocking because our newsroom was we had what? <laughs> we had beats. Yeah, they, they existed back in uh, 2011. I, my newsroom had beats. Absolutely. No, I know. I'm just saying that almost you no know, very few. Yeah. Very few newsrooms have beats anymore because right. they're so yeah, and this is. A beat yeah. is when a reporter is um, follows a specific topic. Very health reporter, a reporter, right? entertainment reporter, financial a dining reporter. reporter. Yeah, we had yeah, financial. financial. We had before traffic reporters were in the morning. We had somebody that covered all kinds of transportation. I mean, somebody who went to the city council meetings every week. Yeah, oh, that doesn't bless happen. their heart. Yes. Yeah. Um, so a political <laughs> reporter. Now, some of them you'll still see. You'll still see investigative reporters out there. You might see a political reporter. And every now and then you're going to see a health reporter, although many of them have been pulled and they're all now general assignment because there's just not enough reporters anymore, as we know. But even if you are a general assignment reporter, uh, you're still once you establish those contacts and you know that they're easy to work with, yep. you're going to keep going back to them because you know that, hey, you know, this person's going to make my life easier. Um, when I was a reporter, I had the transportation beats. Funny you brought that up, Diane. So I got cozy with our local CDOT rep because and so everyone cares about transportation. That's Colorado Department of Transportation. So yeah. <laughs> it got to the point where I called her so often that she was feeding me stuff. And that's the key, right? Yeah. 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 I, well, now, and here we have to just talk about the flip side of this a little right. bit, because that's, that's a fabulous situation. And that's exactly what you want is where the media is calling you to say, hey, um, you know, what's going on, you know, what, 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 give me more information about this. There are times when that may not be a, a story, a topic, a, an issue that you want to weigh in on either, um, you know, from a brand pr protection um, point of view, you know, if it's something specifically with your country, with your company, um, you know, you may have to think about that carefully and make sure that your your messaging is up to snuff. But if it's something, we had a, a situation where it was in our client's industry, but wasn't, you know, our client had no responsibility for it. Right. Um, and there, there are definitely times when you're going to get an investigative reporter calling. If you have a good relationship with the, with the media, um, you are going to put yourself in a position where something will happen in the industry and they're going to call you for comment. And you may not want to be the one who comments on that because maybe you don't want your company associated with what just happened. 
whether, you know, if it's, if it's a food, it's a foodborne illness outbreak, yeah. and man, you don't want to be the person talking about that. So you want to make sure that, you know, you know, that's where your industry organizations are extremely helpful. Um, and when an organization responds, then it doesn't fall with the name of that company, that one company coming out. So you need to know who you would send that person to. And you also know that the person you're sending the reporter to um, is credible. So usually what I do in that scenario is I will say, oh, I love that story. Let me see what I can do. Get off the phone. And then I call the industry representative. So whether um, let's say, you know, we rep represent some casinos, I might call the gaming industry representative. We represent some farmers. I may call the representative of the organization of all the farmers together. So it's not just that one person who's being associated with the story and say, we have this um, investigative reporter. This is what they, they are looking for. Um, I'm happy to help you put together uh, an answer. But as the person who represents all of the industry, it'd be much better coming from you in the situation. Real estate was another place that we did that. Um, and so really that's, that's next level too, because you don't always want to be the person who responds when it's a negative story and, and you're responding because they will identify you as your company, whether it's you're the president, you're the spokesperson, whatever. And the next thing, you know, it's a very negative story that your company had nothing to do with, but your company's logo is all over it. And your name is super, you know, where they put the name underneath, like or it says Diane Mulligan APR on here underneath me, they're going to put the name and Diane Mulligan MNC communications. I don't want my, my company associated, especially if I had nothing to do with it. So I'm always going to have that as my backup. And I'm also going to have to have done the pre-work with whatever that industry organization is and say, in this scenario, we're going to call you because we do want to get um, the local perspective out there, but certainly we don't want it to be reflect reflected on any individual company. So I hope that makes sense, but there are ways to handle that. The other thing is you've just made a huge difference for that reporter because if you said just no, now the reporter's like, we called it dialing for dollars. You're dialing for the next interview. And who knows how long it would take. They may not even know that there's an industry rep. They probably don't know the industry rep's phone number. Um, and you've given them, not only given them the industry rep, but you've had the, you've helped the industry rep be prepped so that everything now can move very quickly. They can get what they need and they can move on. And they're going to remember that there's absolutely right. that, that you were helpful. That you you were very helpful to talk right, about exactly. that. The other thing that I do is um, I look for, opportunities to help reporters on a beat or an interest that they have something that they cover that has nothing to do with me nothing to do with my clients not, and i'll give you an example i was in starbucks once and this uh fella and i were waiting for our drinks this is when we all could go in starbucks and mm -hmm. wait for our drinks and he had a nice um like you know one of those puffy patagonia jackets or something on i said oh great jacket we started chatting about it and he says oh i wore this um, all summer long as my son and I hiked um, the Colorado Trail to so that my son could go to school in Durango. And I said, wait, 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 you hiked you, with your son to college? And he says, yeah, my son decided to go to college. And instead of driving him there, you know, the two days before school started, I dropped him off at the Colorado Trail. 
you know, in Littleton and he hiked his way from Denver to Durango over the course of like two and a half months to get to, to school on time. And I said, that is the coolest story I have ever heard. I need your name and I need your number. <laughs> and he was like, really? uh, you started with the Patagonia thing and now you're yeah, getting like, no, number. <laughs> right. But I'll tell you what, I got his name and I got his number. And you better believe I was on the phone pitching Jason Blevins. And I was like at the Colorado Sun, great, great reporter, um, you know, outdoor focus. And I was like, I have got this, this incredible story for you about this guy and his son who hiked to college at Fort Lewis instead of driving, you know, two days before school started. And so it was, and I don't know the guy from Adam. I don't have any connection to it. It doesn't benefit you know, my client or anything, it just says to Jason Blevins, dude, I am looking for really crazy, interesting, wild stories. And I know that's your beat. I know this is what you're interested in. And I, <laughs> I got the guy's name and number for you. Here you go on well, a silver platter. You know, Sarah, I loved when um, we had a hiring story. <sighs> hiring stories are very difficult to pitch. But you yeah. came up with a great option and it worked beautifully. You want to talk about that? Well, okay. So hiring stories, we have to explain why they're tough. There's not a lot of visuals with a hiring story. So when you're pitching TV, oof, you know, like that's just, there's no exciting, interesting visuals for that. So a couple of things, and this happened, so I'll give you a couple of examples of what we did on this hiring story. One is that they did a, a butterfly pop-up where you could, um, they did a partnership with the Butterfly Pavilion, which is a nonprofit, and they did it at the um, baseball game. So you could walk through and interact with these butterflies and, you know, talk about, because the butterflies were the, um, the logo, the mascot of this client. And so, boom, you've got a great visual story for something that's not visual. Um, the other thing that that this client did is um, they were training, they were doing training, free training. So if you want to be a blackjack dealer, you're going to have a lot of training for that. And it's kind of expensive. Um, and so they did free training. And so we called the local media and said, you got to come up and go through. You, you, you totally want to learn how to deal cards and blackjack, don't you? And they were like, yeah. So, you know, it just you have to think a little bit differently. So you're not asking them to cover a hiring fair because man alive, that's not going to work. But the other thing that we did as the economy turned um, terribly is um, I was reading a column by one of the local columnists who has now a column called what's working like, um, you know, legal issues and discriminations and, and people looking for help with unemployment and you know, all of these really tough, challenging issues. And somebody wrote in to say, I want to work. I'm looking for a job. I'm a chef or I'm a trained sous chef. And I go to these interviews and I feel like I'm not being hired because I'm a little bit older, but I don't want un unemployment. I want to work. And I'm trying to figure out how to find a job without having to file an unemployment claim or file a discrimination claim. And I read that and thought, our client is hiring food service workers right now by the culinary workers, right, right. Culinary. And I was like, so I wrote this reporter and said, look, I know this isn't a job search column, but it's breaking my heart that this guy's looking for work. And my client is looking for people who do what he does. Can you please 
I didn't even pitch her on it. I just said, can you please make sure this information about the job fair gets to this guy, this one guy? She says, absolutely. I want to share that with this one guy. And I would like information about that job fair. And it wasn't a big mention. It was just a very tiny mention because that's not the focus of her column. But, you know, she did say, look, if anybody in the food service industry is looking for a position, here's this job fair. Here's the date. Here's the time. Here's the information. Here's the link to our clients job hiring, uh, you know, part of their website. So those are just some examples of how um, you, you know, we think strategically in terms of insider media relations of how can you turn a job fair or a hiring story that's really not visual, not compelling into a compelling story. Absolutely. And I think, you know, one last thing I remember when I was at national stroke association, we had a magazine and I went to Kentucky where they published, where they actually produced the magazine. Um, And I went to the, the paper company and, at each step, I was so impressed because there were probably 12 steps to producing a magazine. Each one of these people made a presentation about what happened on their step that was so compelling and so interesting. And I thought, oh, I could pitch this and I could pitch this and I could pitch that. And I could pitch. I mean, there were literally 12 stories with 12 fascinating people on things that I had never even thought of. And, and it was, you know, from, and it, it wasn't boring. You would think, you know, the type of ink, but so it doesn't come off on your fingers. And so that the pages are easy to turn. And there, I mean, there was all this stuff. And then there was the whole environmental angle. I mean, there were so many angles in how they produced the magazine that I thought, wow, I could pitch a bunch of stories from here. So I think that no matter what type of company you have, you have interesting stories. And also when you think about who you're pitching to, is it your target audience or is it a human interest story? You know, it may be, there's something interesting, but then the person who does it is really interesting. There might have be that kind of hook. So I want you to think about that in pinpoint, pinpoint pitching because we think that's really, really important. So next week, just real quick, we are going to um, help you move the stairs. Uh, There's a new report out on the CBD market um, and we want to help you build a PR plan that's really going to help impact your bottom line for the next quarter. And so we're going to go through this with you and say, here's some of the things that we think about from what we know is going to come into the future of CBD that you can prepare for now to get you through the end of the year uh, from a PR standpoint. But also, you know, we always look at how are we going to impact the bottom line with our PR. So that's next week. We hope you'll join us next Friday. And we really should move quickly. on to, uh, oh, you've got more to add? No, I just have one quick thing. One quick thing. All right. You guys have uh, success stories about your pinpoint pitching. We want to hear them. Because again, I love hearing stories of people go, oh yeah, you know what? I did this or I did that. So if you've got a great story to share, let us know in the comments um, where you've had success with with what we we call pinpoint pitching. Um, Being really, I mean, it's not going to 17 people. It's going to one person. Yep. Okay, Jordan. George, you're on. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, not I going to jump the gun. Right. Right. I'm just going to let go. Uh, so let's move on to topic number three, because we're running, a, to borrow some of uh, Sarah's terms, run a little heavy on the show. 
which means um, we're late getting into the third segment. So I'll, I'll get right on with it here. Your trusted relationship with the media, it means that you're probably going to be the first one that they call when there's something big happening, maybe in your industry, maybe it's your place of business, uh, definitely if there's an issue afoot. So what we want to do is walk through our insider media relations strategies for those high stakes situations. And, and I read this quote to you earlier, Sarah, and I really enjoyed it uh, from Ed Powers. He's the PR faculty lead over at Northeastern's Master of Science in Corporate and Organizational Communication. Wow, that is a mouthful that's, and that's probably one heck of an acronym, that's right? A title there. Yeah. <laughs> How come my title? My title is just PR manager. Come on, I need something cooler. <laughs> so he said, and listen, this is really great. Crises or crises don't happen just on the front page. They occur every day, affect groups of all types, and come in different shapes and sizes. Every organization needs to have crisis planning in its communications tool chest. Could not agree more. You Absolutely. know, people think of a crisis and they think of the Hindenburg or right, right. Um, something that is uh, that that story that leads all of your local news channels and is on the front page of the paper and is being repeated on the radio every 10 minutes. That's not the case. No. So, and a lot of times I think that and we've done um, other podcasts, which I want you to go back and look at on the difference between an issue and a crisis, because mm -hmm. what you may think as a crisis really could be just an issue to the rest of the world. Um, and you don't want to turn it into a crisis by being uh, too upset about it. So, but no matter what, you need to have a plan ready to go. And this doesn't mean a full blown crisis plan, but you need a basic outline to adapt quickly. And we have talked about this ad nauseum as well. Um, remember, if the crisis happens in your industry, your local news is going to want to localize the story. And if you have a good relationship with them, they're coming to you. That's not a bad situation to be in at all. And remember what we just talked about. You're going to have your industry partner ready to go. So from your association, from a group, whatever, if you feel like it's too much of a hot potato for you. But if it's not, what a phenomenal mm. opportunity to increase your thought leadership. So that's really important. Know what you're going to say, write, and I mean write, with your hand and a pen and a piece of paper, your message points. And why do I say that as opposed to typing them out? Research shows that if you actually go through the process of writing, you're using more parts of your brain than you are if you type something. And when you use more parts of your brain, it gets in there, it gets stuck in there, it moves around in there. So that's really important because when you're asked questions, it comes out beautifully, comes out naturally uh, because it's, it's kind of percolated in there a little bit. So that's really important. Um, know who's going to handle that media contact um, and make sure that's a media trained spokesperson and somebody hopefully who's taken the masterclass because they need to have the masterclass. And if it's somebody who has that relationship, that's really great. If it's a huge issue, that's when you want to make sure that then you use the CEO. Um, if you have um, a spokesperson that you can then move it up to the CEO that says we're taking this very seriously. And also there've been so many instances where the CEO hasn't come out where people are like, doesn't the CEO care? So the CEO has to come out. The CEO does not have to be there for every question that's out there. The CEO comes out, shows compassion, says we're on top of this. This is what we're doing. Yes, we understand what the crisis is. 
I am not saying that anybody's taking, um, they're not saying this is our fault. You, know, you don't have to say this is our fault, but you have to acknowledge the crisis and say, and this is what we're doing to get more information. So that's really important. And then be really fair with your trusted media contacts. Um, one of the things I would do if I had a relationship with somebody, I might give them a call in a situation, give them a heads up, especially if I knew it was going to break. If it's going to be out there anyway, I'm going to give them a heads up. Um, it shows that I'm being transparent. It shows that we have a relationship. Um, I do not expect them. And remember this, they are not your friends. I don't care what the situation is. I don't care if you even go out drinking with them. They are not your friends. They have a job to do. And you have to make sure that you understand that line in the sand. It's not a gray area. It's a line. And if it's a good journalist, it will always be in line. And the story will come first. And that because that's their job. So you have to get that. This is not personal. So really important. And then check and double check your info. And remember in a crisis, 99% of the time, what comes out the first 15 minutes of a crisis is wrong. It's going to change. So a truly masterful spokesperson is going to try and slow everything down. A truly masterful journalist is going to try and speed everything up because their viewers want to know what happened, whose fault was it, and the really, really, the viewers want to say, okay, I get this, so this is not going to happen to me. That's really what's going on there. So everybody's like, why did it happen? What, what did you do? What, what, what could you have done to prevent this? All that. All that stuff is going to happen. Know that those questions are going to come, but you're going to handle them with calm and say, I'm going to get those answers for you, but you're going to slow it all down a little bit. And then you're going to come out every 15, 30 minutes, whatever, and give them enough information that's right, that's correct, and that you can really answer. But acknowledge, I know you really want this information. We all want this information. We truly want to understand what is that compassion. We really, truly want to understand what's going on here. I get why you're asking that question. I can't answer that right now. Or if they ask you a very pointed question and it's a yes or no, and it's going to put you in a really bad light, you're going to say, I get why everybody would want to have that answer. This is what I can tell you. And you're going to move right over to it. That is a masterful. And don't do, you know, one of the biggest conversations last night was how the candidates just totally ignored the question, <laughs> which happened over and over again. Don't totally ignore the question or talk for so long and then just happen to never get around to answering it. Acknowledge the question. But you can always say, I know you really want the answer to that. This is what I can tell you. So you've acknowledged that somebody's asked you something, Sarah. Yeah. And that's that's really the crux of the bridging strategy. Right. So, you know, what you're doing is saying, I understand that you need the answer to this. And here's the information that I have for you right now. And then you right. just cross the bridge to something that you can say. And there may there may be lots of reasons for this. You may not have the information. It may not be confirmed. You may be, um, you know, trying to 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 get more or, information. It or might the be way it's asked is it such a way that you're going to look bad. Whether right. no matter how you answer it, you're going to look bad. Right. There is no good answer to that question. And so, one thing, this sounds kind of ridiculous, but I really work with people on, um, you know, you hear this sort of active listening or or sort of demonstrating empathy. 
Um, you know, we call it the listening face. I call it the listening face. So somehow, somehow you have to maintain your composure. Absolutely. And no matter how many times you get asked the same stupid question or how many times somebody comes at you, um, you know, with, with a really aggressive line of questioning, right. you've got to be able to maintain your composure and listen and keep that, you know, that pleasant look and in I the face. Last night in the, in the vice presidential debates, or if you're learn, listening to this later on, um, when they did the vice president, those guys kept their listening faces. They did a really good job yeah. with that part. Um, well, I'll tell and you they, what, that's that is not just like, oh gosh, they're very patient people. No, nah. yeah. are you kidding me? They, they practiced for weeks getting hammered, you know, in their debate prep, which quite frankly is part of really good media training. That's right. You know, that's is, the worst question they can ask you. Figure yeah. out, you know, the worst 10 questions they can ask you or the right. question keeps you up late at night. Oh gosh, I hope they don't ask me this. Well then, oh, well, then you better believe we are going to nail you on that in media training. You're going to just despise us when we're done, right. but exactly. you're going to be so thankful when you're in a, seat, a media situation and you know exactly how to handle that and it doesn't throw you off and it doesn't yeah. rattle you and you don't go, you know, yep. deer in the headlights and get lost. So bridging, you know, is, um, you know, that's a, that's an advanced media strategy, um, flagging. And this is when Jordan, you and I talk about this all the time. The really important thing to pay attention to here is a strategy called flagging, right? Exactly. And you just, perfect example right there. You just flagged <laughs> into this conversation. You know, this is where you have your message points and Sarah taught you how to bridge back to those. But this is where you're drawing the person's attention to that point. And maybe you maybe you give it a little bit more oomph. Maybe you the say- The really important thing for your exactly. readers to know is- The most well, important really thing. Remember, let's listen. If you can, oh, listen to this because this is so important. You know, those types of flagging conversations what you should really know. And when you say it, don't say what you should really know. It's what you should really know mm -hmm. is how to flag. Because if you know how to flag, they will pay attention. And that's important. And it's even important for the reporter when they're editing the story. So if you're live, it's a phenomenal technique. And if you have a good relationship with a reporter and you do that, you just made the reporter's job so much more, so much easier. Right. Well, because I have to tell you, when I was a producer back in the newsroom, scrolling through um, all of this audio, all the rec recorded interviews at twice double speed, I'm listening for that because I got to get through piles of it and I'm on deadline. And so, I, you know, and Jordan, you're nodding because we would do this like you'd listen for the Hey, what's really important, the most critical part of this conversation. The thing that you really need to understand is and we'd be like, you know, yep slow it down and then we you know transcribe exactly that bite because you know what's coming next is succinct direct and very usable in terms of being a sound bite and then make sure that it is that would be the other part of that which is really important. well yes yeah <laughs> well no, if you flagged to a to a sound bite I, I think you're going to be okay but I think what, you know, the crux of this entire conversation is, especially now as we're talking about crisis, is you have established that relationship already with media. So 
Yep. They do have a job to do and they are going to tell the story and they're going to tell it fairly if they're a good journalist. But because you have that established relationship, they're going to give you a little bit of that benefit of the doubt. And there is never anything wrong with having that trust bucket where you can have a little bit tipped out. We talk about this agnosium as well. Um, what is the trust bucket? It's having um, a bucket of goodwill, good faith. You know, for the right. most part, it's going to be within your business or brand, but that includes the outreach you're doing with media as well. Right. And if something reputation, right? I mean, exactly. Are you difficult? Do you give one word right. answers? Are you not on time? Are you, if, if somebody calls, you say, well, I can do the interview tomorrow. Well, that doesn't help anybody. I mean, it's, you know, how, how will you move heaven and earth to get the interview for them so that, the, so that they can make their deadline? Um, all those things they remember, they absolutely remember because their lives are difficult too. They're more difficult than they've ever been. So I know, I want to know what you think. Let us know in comments about how you're going to use these tips in your brand protection strategy, because remember brand protection, you work too hard to build the brand of your business to lose it over something that you can really have tremendous impact with. And you can actually fill that trust bucket, as Jordan said. So how are you going to do that? And how are you going to take this whole spokesperson role to the next level? We'd love to hear from you on that. So to recap our entire chat today, and I, I thought this was a really great conversation we had. Uh, we first talked about how you can effectively take that relationship with members of the media to the next level. We talked about pinpoint pitching. And oh man, uh, all of the uh, alliteration Diane gave with that intro, like gave me- That was really was so hard, cool. by the way. I don't know who wrote that intro, but- But- You did it, you nailed you it. You did, and you know, through that- who had 20 years experience i don't know i just <laughs> you know so our audience they learned how they can pinpoint pitch reporters and become that go-to interview where your sound bite they just know you've got something really really good to say and then becoming proactive in really helping your media partners during those times where you may not want to talk to them and you may not want to go on the record but you understand what your position is as a spokesperson for your business or brand and how your relationship relates to that journalist. And, you know, it's a good thing to know that if something bad happens on your watch, they're at least going to be fair with you because you know who they are, you know how they report, and you may be going out for beers afterward or maybe went out for beers the night before, but, you know, all that stops when the clock hits nine until they get off again at five. Um, it's important to remember that. Even if you're off the record, you're on the record. So be, just be right. careful. Be mindful of that. So I just want to thank you so much for joining us for the Move the Stairs Friday chat today. Um, whether you're listening to us on a podcast or watching us on the vlog or on YouTube or on Facebook, um, I, it, this was a great one because we really pride ourselves um, on being here to help you uh, really protect that brand because we get that. That's what this is all about. We want to help you build that business, fill that trust bucket, use strategic public relations and insider media relations and crisis communications um, to really take your, um, your relationship with the media and also your reputation to the next level. 
And remember, next Friday, we're going to be talking about building your CBD business with the new information that's coming out about what's going to happen in the fourth quarter and how PR will impact your bottom line on that. So we really hope you'll join us then. Um, and Sarah and Jordan and I just love your comments. So please email us, put comments onto the YouTube page, whatever you want, we'll find them. And uh, we'd love to have a conversation with you. So have a great day.